Hey guys, I'm back again. I hope you guys are having a great day. So today we are going to be talking about how we can find Jesus in Esther and Job. Okay, if you haven't read the book of Esther, Esther is very interesting because it's about Queen Vashanti. The king asked her to be called and she didn't respond to the king. So the king got advised that he should find another wife. So nobody else would do that to their husbands because back in the day, it was considered as mockery. Um, so the king sent some people to look for a wife for him. And Esther happened to find favor in the sight of the king and literally with everybody that was involved with the selection process she got chosen to be the queen but mind you she was a jew she was adopted by a guy named mordecai and mordecai in this book of the bible is really a representation of jesus because esther was adopted but mordecai definitely saw esther as his daughter because he took care of her, he took her in, and I mean, he just provided for her. From the beginning of the story, we can see how he was like highly involved and gave her so many advices, and that's how she was able to save the Jew. So we see here in the book of Esther that she was put in this position for a reason. When I look at the story, I'm like, why would a king even do that? But at the same time, we see why. Because there was a guy named Haman, and Haman was a wicked guy that his whole intention and his entire desire from the beginning was to kill the Jew. Like, he wanted to literally wipe out an entire population of the Jew because Mordecai would not bow down to him, and he was a very respected court official. So, he was like very frustrated at the fact that this guy a jewish man would not bow down to him and he told the king that he wanted to kill everybody and wipe out their population and the king agreed to it <laughs> the king took advices from so many people and i'm like did he not think about it but anyways he agreed to it but mordecai because when the king was going to be assassinated he told esther about this and then the king was like, what did I do to him for what he did? And he realized he didn't actually do anything or give him a reward for this. So he decided to honor Mordecai. The story is very beautiful because we see how in the beginning, nobody knew about Esther being a Jew. But because she was a Jew, she was able to save our entire people. The people were very feared because they had so much power and authority. And we see at the end of the story how Mordecai got promoted to um, one of the highest officials in the palace. And it's just so beautiful because Esther needed to speak with the king to save her people. And the king had not called for her in so long. So the rule was if the king hadn't called for you, and you walk into his room uninvited, you were to be killed automatically. Except the king raises his scepter, which he did for Esther. Because Esther went on a three-day fast and she told everybody in the Jewish land to fast 
for three days and she trusted in God and she was like if I die I die she was ready to risk a life for the Jew again the Jew were going to be wiped so eventually she was going to be affected right but we, we we just see God in this story of how he preserved the Jewish people of how he favored them they found favor in his sight and this story is definitely a story of what the enemy meant for evil God will turn it out for our good. If you go back and read Esther, you would see how Haman, this wicked guy, kept on plotting a lot of things for Mordecai. And at the end of the day, he was the one that got the treatment that he planned for Mordecai. This is one lesson here. Don't do to your enemy what you don't want to be done to you because it could turn the other way around. It's son got killed his family got killed his family got wiped out because he was trying to wipe out the jews so everything he literally planned for monica and the jews got done to him so unfortunately now let's talk about job job is a very interesting book of the bible a lot of people have read job and they can't just understand or fathom why god would do such a thing but if you read job you'd find out that job himself at some point was the problem because he had a fear in his heart that maybe his sons were going to do something and God was going to get offended and he was going to get, get punished for it. So if you read Job, we see how Job constantly gives sacrifices on behalf of his sons so they can be forgiven. So at the end of the day, he even said it that his biggest fear has come upon him. So... In the story of Job, we see how Job lost everything he had. His children, his possessions, everything he had got taken away from him because God was walking around one day and was like, telling the devil, have you seen my servant Job? <laughs> it's like God was putting Job out there and the devil was like, if he takes all these things away from him, Job is going to turn around and curse him. But Job went through a lot of sufferings even going down to physical sufferings he had bows all over his body and he was just in so much suffering and pain and his friends came to see him the first time they couldn't say anything because they were just like his pains are too great to even fathom or even say anything to job at this point and then eventually they were like job are you sure you haven't done anything for god to do this to you maybe you have seen i mean it was just a back and forth process so imagine me being a very righteous person and i have friends saying think about it you've probably done something like god is not an unjust god or like all of these things but we see how job was really hopeful so i feel like first of all god knew the heart of job and job had that relationship with god like of course this guy was a very righteous guy so god knew that job wouldn't do this but at the same time i think job found out for himself that he really loves god and again as we've seen in every book of the bible every time we go through trials and temptation for the sake of the gospel for jesus god would always reward his people so because job lost everything he had God gave him a double portion of what he had. I mean, I'm sure those things, he will still have memories of them and it will probably still hurt him. But God gave him a double portion of everything that he ever had and Job was restored. 
restored like fully restored but the big part I want us to take care from it is despite everything that Job went through his family telling him curse God his friends telling him you've sinned you are you are unrighteous you've done so many things that's why God is punishing you with this and Job knew he did it so despite all of this Job had hope and said I know my Redeemer lives oh my gosh it takes courage it takes I mean, it just takes the whole world to go through so much trials and tribulation and say, but I know, like, it doesn't matter what happens. Even if I die right now, I know I shall live again because my Redeemer lives. We need people in this generation that just, like, know Jesus that well and know the heart of God because sometimes... We don't go through what we want to go through, but you have to see the heart of God. That God is love. If we trust in his love, oh my gosh, it changes our perspective. And I know you've probably heard this. Perception is your reality. But let me tell you something. Job knew his redeemer lived and he trusted in that from the beginning to the end okay guys so that brings me to the end of my summary okay so i hope you guys are curious enough to see how we can find jesus in these books so let's get started reading how we can find jesus in Esther job yeah i am excited finding jesus in esther he is our mordecai Mordecai had brought up Adaziah, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother. For Mordecai the Jew was second to King Hazarus and was great among the Jews and well received by the multitude of his brethren, seeking the good of his people and speaking peace to all his countrymen. Esther 2 verse 7 and 10 verse most of us have an appendage that stays right by our side during the daylight hours and not too far away even when we are fast asleep. We have developed such a dependency on this appendage that there is hardly a part of our lives in which it is not involved. I'm speaking of our smartphones. We talk on them, we text on them and tweet on them. We schedule on them and get our news from them. We, we do our banking on them and pay our bills on them. We watch the weather on them and even awaken each day to an alarm on them. But one of the greatest features on my own smartphone is the camera, which takes better pictures than any camera I have ever owned. If you are like me, you have thousands of pictures stored on your phone. Pictures of kids, grandkids, vacations, friends, and scores of other memories treasured up for you somewhere in the iCloud. We love showing our friends pictures of our kids. Did you know that God delights in the very same thing? He loves showing us pictures of his son from every possible angle and in every possible place. As we walk through the books of the Bible, God shows us different pictures of his son, Jesus. Here in the book of Esther, we find a beautiful picture of Jesus in the life of a man by the name of Mordecai. The book of Esther is not the only book in the Bible where the name of God is not mentioned, not once. And ironically, when the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered in 1948, 
all the books of the Old Testament were found in the scrolls, except for this book, which bears the name of Esther. On the surface, it appears to be about a beautiful Jewish girl who miraculously became the queen of Persia and in so doing was able to heroically save the lives of the Jews who dwelt there. However, while Esther is under the spotlight on center stage, the real hero of the drama is standing off stage in the shadow of the wings. His name is Mordecai and in so many ways he presents a beautiful picture of Jesus. While both Ezra and Nehemiah were taken up with the remnant of the Jews who left Persia to return to Jerusalem and rebuild the ancient city. Esther is the story of the Jews who remained in Persia. It is a personal account of how God providentially walked through the lives of Esther and her adoptive father, Mordecai, a low-level worker in the king's court to protect his chosen people living in a pagan land. The unfolding events in Esther are like reading a Jeffrey Archer novel with a twist at every turn. There are intrigue, political manipulations, death threats, plot twists, and of course, romance. When the story opens, Esther has been elevated to the position of queen by a beauty contest of sorts. In the words of Mordecai, God exalted her for such a time as this, Esther 4.14. Meanwhile, Haman, an egomaniacal court official, planned to exterminate the Jews and see Mordecai hung from the gallows. Through a miraculous set of events, Haman's plot was exposed and he found himself hanging from the very rope he had reserved for Mordecai. Throughout this narrative, Time and time again, we find Mordecai behind the scenes orchestrating deliverance for Esther and ultimately all the Jews. With his humble spirit, Mordecai presents to us a beautiful picture of Christ. And similar to Jesus, it was Mordecai's own initiatives that saved and restored his people in days of darkness and distress. Mordecai's adoption of Esther is a reminder to us of our adoption into the family of God a gift given to us through no merit or effort of our own. We see how he found Esther and not how she found him, reminding us that it is the Holy Spirit who does the seeking and that Christ is the one who found us, not we who found him. The book of Esther ends with an account of the greatness of Mordecai. Esther 10 verse 2. We see Jesus in this man who tenderly raised his orphaned relative, who faithfully served his king, who so consistently obeyed his God and who was then elevated to a place of greatness. There is coming a day when Christ shall rule from the throne of David in a land of perfect peace. Until then, may the peace of God rule in your hearts by faith. Colossians 3 verse 15. To this very day, our Jewish friends read the book of Esther every year as they celebrate the festival of Purim. Even though the name of God is never mentioned in Esther, he's there in every verse. We find Jesus beautifully reflected in the life of Mordecai. That brings us to the end of chapter 13. And I think this book is really interesting because Esther is one of the few, few books in the Bible where we don't find jesus mentioned or god even mentioned on there um 
I think this book is really interesting because Esther is one of the books where we don't find God mentioned on there. But if we think about it, like we can find similarities and how Mordecai kind of like was a representation of Jesus. The first one would be like adoption, right? So we are adopted into the lineage of God. And that's the same way it was for Esther. She didn't have a father, but um, she was adopted by Mordecai. All right, now we're going to read chapter 14. Finding Jesus in Job. He is our Redeemer, whoever lives. Before I start reading, guys, I just can't think about the song. And I know my Redeemer lives. Anybody remembers that song? I love that song so much. Anyways, okay. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth and after my skin is destroyed this i know that in my flesh i shall see god whom i shall see for myself and my eyes shall be old and not another how my heart yearns within me job 19 verse 25 to 27 at one point or another most of us at one point or another most all of us have wondered silently what Job asked aloud. If a man dies, shall he live again? Job 14 verse 14. In other words, is this all there is? Are we simply here today, gone tomorrow, and then nothing else? Or is there a life beyond this physical one? God has instilled within the human heart a longing for a life beyond this earthly existence. Ancient cave dwellers depicted this hope in paintings edged inside their caves. The pharaohs of Egypt were buried within their great pyramids along weapons, eating utensils, and even servants, evidence that they too believed in a life beyond this existence. Native American Indians buried their dead believing they would live again in their happy hunting grounds. Clearly, our God is supernaturally implanted within the human spirit, a longing for a life beyond the grave. Further fueling today's interest in life after death are the recurring accounts of near-death experiences. Every few years, a new best-selling book hit the shelves describing someone's death and what the person experienced before returning to the body. These books have sold millions and resulted in more than one motion picture. Clearly, Job's question sells in our world today. If a man dies, shall he live again? Job answered his own question, pointing to the coming Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ, with an emphatic yes. Listen to his confident confirmation. I know that my Redeemer lives, and after my skin is destroyed, I shall see God. Job 19, verse 25 to 26. These words came from the lips and pen of a man who had just lost his job, his health, his wealth, his friends, and most of all, his family. Job did not say, I think, or I wish, nor did he say I hope. Job's answer was positive. He was rock solid certain. There were no ifs or buts about it. He knew that his redeemer lived 
Affirming the confidence of Job, the Apostle John added, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. 1 John 5 verse 13 Your Bible was written to you so that you would have an ode to the positive assurance that not only is there another life more than a million times, a million longer than this one, but you would spend it with Job's Redeemer, our Lord Jesus. Job's answer was not only positive, it was pointed. He indicated that he would see his Redeemer after the destruction of his own fleshly body. We have previously seen Jesus, our Redeemer, walking through the pages of Ruth as he was foreshadowed in the life of Boaz, our king's man redeeming. So in essence, Job said, I have lost everything, so what if death comes my way? I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will restore me. He lives and I will live again also. Outside the Damascus Gate and down Nablus Road in Jerusalem to this very day, there is a beautiful garden and in it lies a famous tomb. But there are many famous tombs in the world today. The pyramid in Egypt, all the bodies of the pharaohs in Westminster Abbey lies the remains of Browning, Tennyson, Livingston and others. In Mecca, you can find the tomb of Muhammad. All those tombs are famous for who is inside, but the garden tomb in Jerusalem is famous for the one it doesn't contain. Job's answer is pointed. I know that my Redeemer lives. Finally, Job's answer is intensely personal. It says, my Redeemer. Who lives? Can you embrace that little one-syllable to letter personal pronoun my if so you'll find jesus here in the book of job your very own personal redeemer who lives forever in the midst of his great difficulties job's source of delight was seeing god in the next life job knew and we can know that heaven is a wonderful place we would never see a hospital there because there will be no more sickness. We will see no more funeral homes because there will be no more death. We will never see or sense the need for any more counseling centers because there will be no more depression, heartache, or mental illness. We will never see a police car because there will be no more crime. Whatever it may be that takes the joy out of life will be gone forever for those who can say we job. I know that my Redeemer lives. We find Jesus here in the middle of the book of Job. He is our Redeemer whoever lives. If a man dies, shall he live again? Yes, and those who have placed their faith and trust in Christ, our Redeemer, will see him and live forever with him in heaven. For Job and for all of us believers, death is not about leaving home, it's about going home. This brings us to the conclusion of our reading. I really enjoyed knowing more about the book of Esther and seeing how the favor of God was just upon them, how God saved them, and how we can always trust in God that when our enemies are plotting behind us, that God is also working. He is plotting to make things all work out for our good. Because there was a part that I didn't say, the king could not fall asleep until he 
honored Mordecai. So God is always working behind the scenes. And in Job, we see how God is always good. And just knowing how to trust in his goodness is a practice that we just have to continually just speak to ourselves. God is good. God is good. Even when I don't see him working, he's good. Even when it feels like he's against me, he's for me. So just believing in the word of God and believing in what God says he is and just knowing him to be our father and our lover, most importantly. So I'm so excited that I read this book. So guys, I would see you on the next episode. Have a lovely day.